Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Student of the Game podcast. As always, I'm Kevin. I'm the student of today's episode. Um, and we have our newest teacher, Dennis. Oh, give it to me again. Onalaja. Onalaja, man. Where are you from? From Dallas. Okay, where's your family from? Where's Onalaja from? Oh, we're Nigerian. Nigerian. Yeah, yeah. Onalaja, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, sweet. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. You know, um, we obviously have a lot to talk about in your story and some different things that I feel um, you're going to be able to guide and teach a lot of us on. You know, give us a little bit of an understanding of kind of what you do currently. Yeah, so for the most part, uh, I build businesses uh, ranging from different niches, uh, okay. primarily focus in like the digital aspect. So, yeah. Okay, sweet, sweet. Um, well, I'm glad, you know, we've got you. I know we've got a lot to dive in. I'm excited for this. You know, I did want to take a quick opportunity and talk about this episode's sponsor. Um, you know, one of our most faithful individuals and family members is uh, True Labs. Um, you know, we've got a, a pack of their Hydrate 15, um, which is something I've definitely been using throughout this season as it's been 115 degrees outside. And, you know, for those of you guys who know me on a personal level, you know, I just bought a boat and I've been out there trying to you know, get accustomed. So being able to make sure I'm maximizing my water intake, um, being able to get away from the sugary, you know, drinks um, that we use and have kind of grew up on in sports and get to something that's a lot more, you know, health oriented and, and well tested um, and giving you the benefits of, of, you know, your recovery and vitamins and minerals. So make sure you guys check it out, truelabs.com. Um, you guys have uh, the opportunity to get a uh, 20% discount on your first purchase uh, by using the code STUDENT. Uh, so make sure you guys check it out. Um, so Dennis, you know, talk to us about where it all began, right? Obviously, you're now, you know, in an entrepreneur state. You've built a couple businesses. Um, you currently build businesses. You know, how how did this start? Have you always been into this? Is you know, is there family members who kind of showed you the ropes, or did you kind of figure it all out by yourself? Yeah, it was actually kind of interesting the way I started. So I'm like, well, when I was growing up, I was like a big do-it-yourselfer. Mm-hmm. So I was always the the younger one in the family that was going around trying to fix this and that, build computers, like build things and like fix things. So that was like kind of my role. Um, as I grew up, like, you know, I started making friends and, you know, wanted to like do things. Mm-hmm. And my parents were really like education driven. So they were like wanting me to focus on studies all the time. What do your parents do? Uh, so my dad, he was like a financial advisor. Okay. And then my mom's like a nurse. But both college educated? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So that was and, – and, you know, one of the things that I, I talk about a little bit is, you know, I, I would say it's a circumstance. I wouldn't say it's good, bad, or ugly. But, you know, our, our upbringing, college was the best bet. You know, taking that route and getting that degree that would get you in those rooms, you know, it's not that it was always going to be the best option, but it was always a for sure option. So I've never in any way, shape, or form, regardless of anyone's success, ever knocked or discredited the guidance of others to say, hey, take this route, go down this line, because it is a sure bet. And, you know, as a parent or as, you know, a mentor or as um, someone who has influence, you know, I want to give you the best possibility to win. I just think some of us have discovered that just wasn't, you know, what we wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I'm the same way. I don't hate on anyone for college. I think everyone has their role yeah. that they're, you know, they're going to have in this world. And so some people are just better at learning and then, like, implementing it, but staying focused on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are better at leading. Um, and so, like, it just depends on what category you kind of fit into. Yeah, so how did it play out for you? So obviously coming up, 
you've always been a you know an, an intuitive do-it-yourself fixer type of guy tinkerer you know parents say hey this is you know this is the route we want you to take what did it turn into yeah so <laughs> I really wanted to make money growing up like really wanted to make money um I didn't I wanted to do something that was a little bit different but it was like I needed to get the funds first and so basically the way it started off was my parents didn't want me to get a job mm -hmm. so they actually didn't want me to work uh they only wanted me to focus on studies and so like what 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 age are we talking they didn't want you to get a job how old are we at this point 14 15 15 yeah 15 well I don't think many parents want a 14 year old to have a job so yeah I mean, but it wasn't just me being 15 either. Yeah. It was like 16, 17, okay. 18. They didn't want me to have a job. It's just kind of how they are. Yeah. Okay. And it wasn't until like about 16, they were like, okay, you can get a job, but only during the summer. And then like at that time, it was like really weird. It was like people, it was so hard to get a job because I didn't really know how to. I mean, I tried. I went to Subway and like said, yo, like I'm trying to work. Yeah. Uh, but their spots would already be full or something like that. Um, and so my mom would give me like twenty dollars every two weeks. That was your allowance, allowance. twenty bucks. What can I do with twenty bucks? Well, you can go to one football game and then uh, buy something at the. Uh, yeah, you, you get a, a, a an Airhead yeah. and a Coca Cola. I was getting a hot dog, but yeah, you okay. Get <laughs> and so, well, I was like thirteen dollars down, and I had seven dollars, and then it was go to the gas station after school mm -hmm. and pick up a couple goodies. And then go back home, and then you're sitting for another week or a week and a half until yeah, yeah, you get yeah. paid again. Yeah. And then if that day came, maybe I was going. Maybe it was a bye week or there's no football game, and I would go to movies. And well, that took all twenty dollars. Yeah, that was it. That's yeah. all you had. And then I was sitting there for get uh, another month. So, so a lot of, and and the reason I ask some of these questions is because one of the things I always like to derive every time I speak to to entrepreneurs and those people who've created a level of success is how vital your life experiences in those moldable years, I like to say, you know, statistically, uh, children begin to retain memories at about four. And, you know, in the progression of the mind, you start to formulate um, your innate being, who you are, the decisions you make, the things that come natural around the age of 13, you know, 12. And then, again, it's different for everyone. You know, men uh, mature a lot uh, slower than women, but statistically around, you know, 18, 19, 20 is when you, you know, begin to have molded who you are. Now, keep in mind, you can still change a lot of these things by creating habits and, 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 and influencing who you are, but that's that moldable years. Those those Plato years. So I'd love to, you know, talk to people about how critical and how much what you're exposed to, the experiences, you know, factor into who you now are and how you are, right? So, you know, you mentioned a second ago, hey, I, I, I wanted to make money. I had this drive to make money. You know, how much of it now looking back as a grown man, do you believe that hunger of, man, I've, I, I've already spent my $20 and now I've got to wait two weeks. And, and likely in that scenario, seeing some of your friends still have funds and have money and be able to do things you can't, you know, how much of that began to really formulate who and how you are in terms of drive? Yeah, actually, honestly, from where I am, like – starting from, like, 17, 16 and up, like, very early on, even in, like, middle school, formed, like, really who I am today. Uh, I was, like, I felt like I almost went through some type of identity crisis within those two years because, you know, you have social media, you have so yeah. much stuff going on. So very 
very quickly, it was just a lot that I, I had to deal with, like, mentally. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't like I was necessarily, like, asking anyone. I was like, I knew I had to, like, figure it out. I was like, what, like, what is my purpose? Like, you know, uh, family's very religious. We go to church all the time. But I was like, what is my purpose? Like, what can I start doing now to get me to where I need to be later on? Yeah. Um, and so, but, like. But, but hang on. So. As much as I absolutely love and respect that question, right? And I believe that's a huge, huge thing everyone should be asking is yeah. what, what am, why am I here? What is my purpose on this earth? I think, it's, I think it's fascinating to think that you already had that mindset at that age. And my question is how and why? I mean, the, teens are not asking those questions. Teens are not wondering what is my purpose on this earth? You know, it takes... It takes either some really low lows or some really high highs, but all of it really boils down to it takes some severe life experiences to ever get to the point where you're wondering, you know, God, why did you put me on this earth? So my question is kind of what was driving and putting you in that state of mind to wonder that? Yeah, well, I mean, if I'm going to be honest, like uh, growing up, I wasn't really the most liked kid um, growing up. So it was just kind of like a battle with like myself and like the people around me yeah and it was just like who really cared who didn't yeah. and then it was just like all right how do we keep moving forward yeah. and then you know you have family at home like you know you get in trouble for something or something that you know everyone's everyone's grows up different mm-hmm. so it's like some things your friends were allowed to do and see and then you weren't but if you did something that your friends typically do you get in trouble parents say this and that this and that and then it just doesn't make sense it yeah. makes so young you don't really understand yeah, you, you, you're not mature enough to understand the concept of of differences of standards to yeah. know that your parents may have held you to a higher standard than that of your friends you know it takes you know we, we know now right it takes a, a great level of maturity to grasp that i'm whole i'm held to a higher accord than what you know my buddy and, and, and my other buddy might be mm-hmm. you know and that and that's just you know, it's one of these things. I was having a great conversation with, um, you know, I was I was coming back. I did some uh, door knocking with one of my guys, John, um, who's who's a pastor. And you know, right after we finished knocking, I think we knocked for five or six hours. We had a great productive day. You know, got got some got some you know claims on the board. It was an awesome day. And somehow, you know, he was driving me back to my truck through the neighborhood. And somehow, we ended up in a you know fifteen minute conversation about God. And keep in mind, he's a pastor, yeah. so. You know, I was asking him some vulnerable questions for myself and, you know, getting his, you know, what he ascertained on things. And, you know, it was, it was an awesome conversation. So as I was leaving that, I was in Frisco, so I was probably about 35 minutes from home. You know, I saw this, this older guy walking. Um, and, you know, you see guys walking all the time. Yeah. But this one was different, you know. Something was just kind of pulling me. So, you know, I pulled over. Um, and, I, and I waited for him to catch up, and you know he ran up, and I said, "Hey, where are you where are you going?" And he said, "Hey, I'm walking wherever." And I said, "Get in," you know. Well, long story short, it turned out that it took us 20, 20 minutes to drive there, so I couldn't imagine how long it was going to take for him to walk. Um, but as a very spiritual man, I, I felt very strongly that God put this person there, whether me for him or him for I. But I don't think it was coincidental. And we ended up in a, in a very long conversation about, um, you know, his, his, I don't want to say too much personal stuff for him, but, 
you know, he, we ended up in a very long conversation about his feelings behind his relationship with his daughter and how it's not great right now. And one of the things that I did feel God put on my heart to tell him was there's, I think in, in, in the life of a child, and, and I mean child not as in, you know, young, but as in um, that of offspring, I believe there are at least two phases of rebelliousness. It's those teenage years where your emotions are kind of really rocking and, you know, you start to find independence and you begin to find yourself and, you know, you're always going to kind of buck your parents or buck the system in some way. And then you come back, you know, you, you, you start to learn a little bit more about life and you start to give your parents a little more grace and you come back. And then I think that happens again, you know, as you become that of a young adult, maybe young to mid twenties and you start to, you know, gain your bearing, you start to find, you know, the ability to be on this earth alone and you start to value your parents a little less. And then I think when you become a parent or you reach 30 or 40, you come back. And, um, a lot of that is just maturing, right? A lot of that is being able to, I use the word grace, be able to give your parents grace in their attempt, right? Like not all parents were perfect, right? Everyone makes mistakes. We make mistakes on a daily basis, but I think the grace comes in understanding you know, the why behind it, like your intent to develop me, your intent to help me grow, your intent to sharpen and shape me, you know, and one of the questions I have for you, you know, and I, I feel we've got to ask just kind of with this conversation, you only child, you have, you have brothers, sisters? Yeah, I have actually have a brother and a sister. Um, you're middle or you're what, oldest? Oldest. You're the oldest. Yeah. How old, how, how many years down? Uh, two years and then one year after that. So pretty close. Or, well, now one year and... Uh, another year. Yeah, so super close. Yeah. Okay. So coming up, you know, one of the questions just just to get again, I'm trying to gather, you know, your your upbringing, how it grew you. You know, were they at at the same standard? Did they have the same things, or did things kind of change and based on how you grew up? Yeah. No. So uh, I I would say that we all grew up pretty independent. Um, you know, both of our parents were working. Um, but later on, like as of like kind of recent, the last like two three years. Uh, like, for instance, my brother has definitely uh, carried some characteristics that, like, I had. Mm-hmm. And then my sister, yeah, she kind of does, too. And then she, like, everyone just knows, like, whatever it is, you have to make it work. Yeah. So, like, you just work with what you have. So, obviously, they were pushing, you know, college. Was that a route you took, or did you go a different route? Uh, no, I still did college. Um, I still did college. Okay. What did you get your degree in? Crazy fact is I'm actually still in college. Okay. What is your degree going to uh, be in? Marketing and pre-law. Okay. So yeah. relevant at least. Yeah, yeah. Was it always that or did that change once you started to find what you're doing? Uh, yeah, I actually started to change. So first I started off as MIS, Marketing Information Systems. So it was like a little bit of code Okay. Um, in business. But I was kind of like, well, I'm a business owner. Uh, I plan to be a business owner. I was like, yeah, I can know the basics. But in reality, I'm probably going to hire someone. Yeah to do that and and at that time I was like I'm probably hire someone that's even better than me to do that yeah. so I need to focus put my efforts to where uh, I feel like majority of my money is going to be which is uh, marketing and I remember I went to like my first ever seminar um, it was like uh, this guy that was on Shark Tank and <clears throat> he said one thing that really stuck with me there's in my life pe- people make comments that really stick with me mm-hmm. no matter what, like I always remember it. And so one of them being my mom in the car when I was much younger saying, the only way you're going to make the money that you want to make 
is by owning your own business. And then the second one was if you don't have marketing, you don't have the business because you need to be able to bring clients into that business. And that was one of the one of the things I took away from the seminar that I went to. I, I didn't say the whole time, but I took that away. And then like within a month later, I like made a decision. I was like, yeah, I'm switching over to marketing um, because I was like, well, I'm a business owner. I have to fo- I have to solely focus on that even while I'm in college, mm-hmm. if that's what I want to do later on. Yeah. So talk to me about how you made the decision or how you ended up, you know, getting into business. I mean, how did, how did that come up, right? Like, w- at what point did you go, hey, I want to I own a business? Yeah, so <laughs> it was, like, really weird. So when I was, like, 16, I was in Tennessee. I, went, I actually took my first flight by myself uh, to Nashville to visit my cousins, and I broke my phone again. It was like an iPhone 5 or something like that. I broke my phone again for like the umpteen time. Last time I broke my phone, it took me like a month and a half to save up to be able to fix it. Yeah. And I was like, I cannot do this again. Yeah. And so I was like, it, I forgot what it cost. I think it cost like 100 or $80. And I was like, okay, this guy's charging. I remember I thought to myself, I was like, this guy's charging $80 to fix his phone. He has a business. He's not fixing my phone for no reason. Mm-hmm. He, there's got to be some type of margin. Not, and I was like, okay, that's noted. Well, where does he get it from? Like, he has to get it from somewhere. And, like, I'm pretty sure if I search the Internet, I might be able to find out where he gets it from. And I was like, I, I don't know what to search. And I was like, all right, let's just get creative. And so I remember I searched um, fix, get, buy a new iPhone screen or how to fix a new iPhone screen. And then a YouTube video came up on how to fix an iPhone screen. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, they call this an LCD or digitizer. And I looked up how much does a, I think an iPhone 5 digitizer cost? And then I saw a price. And I think at the time it was like $27. Yeah. And I was like, wait a second. So you're telling me I could spend $27 and get this fixed because I wouldn't have to pay any other cost in between uh, because I would be doing the work. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, like, is it hard? And then so I would research, research. And I was like, yeah, it's very difficult. You have to, like, have someone skilled to do it. And I was like, okay, so it might be a gamble. And I was like, honestly, I kind of like a gamble. Um, luckily enough, at that time, I, I mean, I was out of money already. Cause, yeah. you know, I already traveled. So um, my aunt gave me a $50 gift card for visa and so i took that 50 dollars visa gift card and i bought my first iphone screen and i sat i actually broke it i was actually unsuccessful unsuccessful you broke it trying to fix it yeah i broke it trying to fix it i thought i had it i thought i had it and then it just didn't have it and i just was sweating bullets and i was like you know what i'm just gonna go phoneless yeah that's a that's a lesson on on that 60 dollar 80 dollar margin was for skill yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that didn't stop me. That That's the worst part. And I'm about to say this. And if she watches this, I mean, I ended up fixing it. But at first, so by then I was like, you know what? I broke it, but I can do this. I know I can. Like, I understand that. I just broke the screen. That's what I was told, told myself. And I was like, I know I could do this. So then I, you know, waited for the, the next uh, amount to come in. But by that point, I was already telling everybody at school whenever I got back that I fixed phones. 
uh, that I can fix phones. <laughs> and so I'm just like loud mouth it. Like I fix phones. I fix phones. And people thought it was funny, whatever. Except one day this girl came to me and was like, I need my phone fixed. My parents are going to crazy me. Kill me. How much can you do it for? Yeah. And so I was like, uh, and I like looked up the price of the screen. I was like, and I just put like $3 on top of it. And I was like, I can do it for this much. Uh, she's like, okay, sweet. Um, when, when can you do it? And I was like, okay, uh, well, I need the money up front because I didn't have any money. Yeah, you didn't have money for the screen. This was before you fixed your own screen? Yeah, this was before I fixed my own screen. Man, man. <laughs> yeah, and it was an iPhone 6. Uh, her name was Allie. And so she dropped off her phone, and I got the part in like a week later. Yeah. And it was go time. And I was fixing her phone. I was, I was, I was in the mood. Uh, I, it was, everything was flowing. It was flowing great. And then while I was putting something together, it ripped. And I was like, no. I thought the phone was destroyed. I thought the whole phone was destroyed because it's like ribbing cables that are like yeah, very yeah. sensitive. Yeah. And I thought it was like the touch ID or something. And it ripped. And I'm like sitting there for like four hours sweating bullets about to hit tears because I'm like, I just broke this girl's phone. Yeah. I told everyone I could fix phones and it's going to cost like $300 to replace it, which yeah. I don't have $300. I'm too scared to tell my dad or my mom. They're going to kill me, get grounded for like life, whatever. And so four hours, I just kept like freaking out. And then like one time I come across and I wasn't paying attention because back then I had like, I would say pretty bad anxiety about things. Like I would freak out a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I would watch videos over and I would research, research, research without watching any, anywhere videos. And one day I was like, you know what? All right, take a deep breath. Tell us, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. You're not dead. You're, you're alive. You're not bleeding or anything like take a deep breath. And I was like, let's just take it back another step watched the video again and then I watched the video again and then I realized the part that I ripped out was a third party was it actually part of the phone it was a part of the phone that was attached to the phone but it wasn't connected to like the motherboard and so I was like wait a second I could replace this part that I ripped and I looked it up online and the part itself was four dollars and I was like oh I can buy forty dollars okay so then I got that part and then I was able to fix her phone and How long then, did you have this girl's phone? I think like two days, oh, three okay. days. Okay. First right. was four hours after it was only supposed to take an hour. I had it for four more hours while I was kind of blowing her off. And then she finally came back. She's like, okay, I need my phone. And I was like, yo, like this is what happened because I figured it out. I was like, I'll have it for you like tomorrow. Okay. And then um, I went to go pick up the part from the guy, uh, the guy's shop that I usually go to. When I was getting my own phone fixed, I got the part from him, and then I fixed it on the phone. So it was and successful. Then, you only made three bucks. Actually, you lost a buck. You added three bucks to the margin spent for. You lost a buck, but it was your first life lesson on, okay, I can do this. Yeah. Yeah, so that was like the first dive into I could, I could start selling services, you know, that could make money. Yep, and it was just – then I fixed my own phone after yeah. that. And then at that point, it was just like, well – this, they can't take this skill away from me. And, like, they can't, my parents can't stop me from really doing this because I didn't really get a job because I was, like, owning my own business. In my head, that, like, worked out. 
And so, like, yeah, that's, like, how that kind of started. So that was the origin of it, and then it obviously grew, huh? Yeah, so I started telling everyone I fixed phones, slowly started increasing my margins to $5, like, all the time, and then started increasing to 10 to 15 at a, as I got a little bit more skilled and just, like, realizing people would pay this amount for, like, phone repairs. Mm-hmm. And then I started, like, going up and up to where I was, like, like $50 margins or sometimes even higher because uh, what I started to do is I started to do more research, learn the business more, get more skilled. You started harnessing your craft. I started harnessing the craft. And then, like, learning different ways within the business to make more money and where there is more money, like, to be made. And then figuring out how to get clients because it came to a point where, like, my parents also – didn't let me drive like I didn't have a car or anything so mm-hmm. it's like all right I want to scale I want to get out of like my small city of Coppell how can I do it and it was like a weird way but I actually started going to parties and so like I like didn't smoke or drink or anything all like all of high school none of that and I would just go to as many parties as I could possibly go just to meet people just to meet people because I figured that I like took a back I took a step back and I was like, what does my ideal client look like? Yeah. Like iPhones are pretty broad. Mm-hmm. I can go wherever and meet people, but like who are the people that are probably breaking their phones all the time? Yeah. Just doing whatever, like probably dumb stuff. Yeah. And I was like, probably drinking at a party. And I was like, yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. Well, if I look back at, <laughs> if I look back at my high school days, if you were at the party sober, you're the only one. You know, the only one. Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> high school was different. High school was different. So, all right, so you're in high school. You're starting to kind of, you know, get your teeth clawed into what it is to, you know, have people pay you for services. You're working on your, your craft. You're increasing your margins, which, again, is not far-fetched. Let's be honest. You talked about, you know, the guy in the mall. And, and honestly, that's the average price point um, is that, you know, people in the mall are going to charge about, 80 to 120 dollars you know for what would cost about 25 30 bucks so that means you know these guys are increasing their you know cost by about 60 to 70 bucks um but it's because of their skill it's because of their ability to get it done quick it's because of their um you know guarantee that it's going to be done right and and that's understandable you know so you know here's the thing right the thing about business in general is you're either paying um you're charging people for your skill. You're charging people for what you do. And the better you are at your craft, which is, I'm glad you talked about it, the more you can charge. You know, I was in, um, I was in a, a course, and I don't know if I've talked about it before, but it's called Biz Owner's Ed, and it's essentially um, an entrepreneur class. And, you know, the, the, the guy who founded it is a, you know, multi-venture billionaire. He started and, and sold, you know, 15 different companies for an EBITDA of almost 50 million. So he's, he's done very well. And, you know, I was presenting um, essentially my roofing company and I was going through the process. And keep in mind, we're doing primarily, I would say, 90%, you know, insurance restoration, right? So our numbers are preset. And he pulled me to the side and he said, you're doing everything right except one thing. And he said, based on how you've explained how you guys operate, your skill set, your organization, your reputation he was like the thing you're doing wrong is you're not the highest person in the market in terms of cost and keep in mind you know i don't know if he knew fully that i was doing insurance restorations i don't know if he full you know knew that we were you know biting by the price point system 
But it was an eye-opener, and I asked him, why do you think that? And he said, well, if you can confidently say, and this is what he said. He said, not, I'm not asking is it true, but he said, if you're confidently able to say you're the best in the market, and you believe that, and you, and you deliver that, and you deliver an experience that is of that, you should be the most expensive person in the market. And as much as I don't know if it was fully applicable to, to that business, I do think it's applicable to business in general, especially service-oriented things. You know, and I got into another conversation with a buddy of mine, and um, we were talking about just service business, you know, i.e. an attorney. You know, quite frankly, I don't want the cheapest attorney. I don't want the attorney who is willing to work in my budget. Quite frankly, I want the attorney that costs just over what I have, you know, that's the attorney I want. That's the guy who, who I feel most confident about. The one I can't afford, but maybe he'd be willing to come down to what I can afford. I don't want the one I can afford. Because theoretically speaking, when you talk about services, the more expensive you are, well, technically you should be better. So it's, it's awesome that you started to kind of learn that, you know, throughout your upbringing. You know, and, and honestly, we're, the, the, the astonishing part is we're still talking high school, right? Because yeah. I'm be honest, most of us in high school, man, we were talking about, you know, playing ball. We were, we were talking about... Friday nights. We weren't talking about trying to sell, you know, phone fixing. Yeah. You know, so how did that how did that stem from there, right? You went through high school, obviously you started to build that, um, and then what? Yeah, so well uh well every so like everything based in high school, like everything based, like to this day, any skill that I know is stems from high school, which is like very crazy. Yeah. Because growing up, you're dealing with, like, not only was I dealing with, like, kids my age, I was also dealing with adults, their parents, and then random people. That The guy that actually showed me how to, like, flip phones and computers mm-hmm. actually was scamming me the whole time, which is, like, kind of crazy. And he was a grown adult. Yeah. So it was, like, I – and then, like, I started over the business four times within high school from zero because I either got scammed, made a dumb decision with it, or just like my overhead, I took too much risk and it just tumbled down. So let me ask you that: of all those, of all those different restarts, those what I would essentially call total losses, right? We've we've bottomed out. At no point did you factor. Well, maybe this is it. Uh yeah. I mean, that was always always, always a thought. But like the thing about me it was it was a thought for like thirty minutes to an hour. Yeah, I'd sit there like super sad, and I was I'd be like. Oh my gosh, what did I do? This is this is so bad. And I was like, I just think like, no matter what, no matter how bad things get, even nowadays, like I like know there's gonna be bounce back. Mm-hmm. I think I had this one friend named Justin actually, mm-hmm. and so he was a very very relaxed person. No matter how bad the re- everything got, he was always calm and he's like, just trust, just trust. And, like, I was very, like, sporadic. I would freak out. Yeah, you talked about your anxiety, yeah. Yeah. And then I was, like, and he's, like, my best friend. I spent every day with him. And what I started to do was, like, he's, like, I would explain to him what's going on. He's, like, dude, just relax. And so I started to practice that. And I would just try to calm myself down. And I was, like, whatever happens, happens. You're going to deal with it. You know what I mean? And so... But, like, it's not also not the end of the world, no matter how bad it looks. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as, like, I didn't do any, like, physically wrong on my end, everything's going to be okay. And so when it came to business, I was like, oh, this is failing. All right. It's okay. I'm frustrated. Let me take a step back. Let's go back to the basics. And, like, 
all right, I'm starting from zero. Well, how did I get from zero to 30? Mm-hmm. How did I get from 30 to 100? How did I get 100 to 1,000, 1,000, so on? And I was like, all right, let's start, let's start from there again. Yeah, you just kind of just kind of rooted it back to the beginning. Rooted, rooted it back. And here's the thing, right? It's easier said than done. I think the one thing that you can't discuss, and that's real, and for anyone who's experienced it, they're going to know what I'm talking about. It's the emotional, it's the emotional toll of the loss. The emotional toll of the loss is it, it's it's hard. It's tough. You know, it's like, you know, listen. I, I don't know if I'm fully capable of always empathizing with the scenario because, and I don't mean this in a bragging fashion. I just mean it circumstantially. I've never, I've never had a business fail. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was blessed enough to have great mentors and great partners and great circumstances, great situations. Um, you know, even before my big companies, even when I just had my individual company, um, prior to rebranding it to what it now is. You know, when I was even doing, you know, business consulting when I was still in corporate America, there was never a fail. And, and most importantly, I was very strategic in, you know, how I spent the money. And I knew that, you know, the the reoccurring expenses were very minimal. So it was really boiling down to just project expenses. So it was, it, I'd never failed. And I, I as much as I can, um, as much as I can discuss and talk about and educate and, and go over, you know, the notion that, listen, a lot of businesses will fail and you keep going and you keep going. I've never been there. You know, I've, I've counseled people through it, but it's never happened to me. But the one thing that I have learned in that, that I can't grasp is the emotional loss. You know, how tough it is on, on someone's confidence, how, how tough it is on their train of thought of their abilities. I mean, those things are, are, are hard to get through. Um, and my question to you is, you know, and again, I get what you're saying, right? It's like, listen, I'm still alive. You know, I still got two arms, two legs. You know, yeah, this sucks, but it's not the end of the world. These are things that I now know and a lot of us now know throughout, you know, our learning and our experiences and our education and our mentors and throughout, you know, just life. But I think the thing that kind of shocks me and it's been a consensus throughout our conversation thus far is you were getting these things in high school. You know, you were grasping some, and I don't know if you were consciously understanding the lessons you were learning, but you were in the state of mind in high school that like, you know, you just keep going. Like it's, it's going to be okay. The first one may not work. You may have to do it again. You may have to do it four times. You may have to do it five times. Like now we know this because we've, we've witnessed it. But I mean, in high school, that's different, man. I mean, it's different to have that, that frame, that headspace. You know, I honestly am asking, where's that coming from? You know, I get you're, you're giving us a little bit of insight towards your friend who is just, you know, an optimistic type of individual. But the ability for you to adapt that is not common. Yeah, I think mainly, probably because my parents were like always like, be a leader, not a follower. And so it's kind of like, so what? They're not, so what? Like, they're doing that. Uh, are their parents your parents? And I was like, no. And they're like, I'm your parent. I say you do this and that. So forever, like, these kids were doing things that I wasn't, I was, I was not allowed to do. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of like putting me in my own lane in terms of, like, dang, man, I, like, can't go out tonight. Like, I, can't, I can only go out once a week, every two weeks, one, one day out of two weeks. And it was like, I can't do it. So, like already I kind of felt like I was a little bit on my own. Mm-hmm. And so starting a business like that, when everyone else is like doing other things, 
you already felt like you were alone. And so, like, you know, like, deep down, like, the only way you can really pick yourself up, or if you go down this path, the only way to pick yourself up is really to, like, do it yourself. Yeah. Like, pick yourself up. Like, you can't, like, expect someone to do that for you. Because even then, I realized if someone did it for me, being in the state of mind that I already was in, being, like, an entrepreneur, owning my own business, I would not see it as much of a, like, learning lesson. Um, And, like, these things happen. You watch these videos on YouTube of all these, like, guys that are living this lifestyle, but they always tell you, they always tell you, it wasn't hard, it wasn't easy to get here. I had to sacrifice a lot. There's a lot of lessons I learned. My first business didn't go well. I was down to my last dollar. Some might be over-exaggerating, some aren't. But, like, even when they say those things, they don't necessarily mean always mean it for like face value, but some something in their life happened to where they felt they felt that way, and that's the best way they explained it. Yeah. And so for me, it was like that. And then going down the road, like every like every aspect that I learned. So like dealing with customers and clients, and like relationships, I had to get clients for my business. I had to like shift my focus to where like all right really who really comes down to like you know making friends clients like having people support you and like want to actually spend their money with you and then like what makes you different from everybody else yeah and so like me personally even to this day I always try to keep it as genuine as possible I don't really care to be mean if I like there's no point. Like, you know, you put, like, evil. There's so much evil and greed in this world. Like, why add to it? Yeah. Even you can add kindness. So, like, I'd rather take the approach of being genuine, cool, nice than being, the, like, the mean guy. And, I mean, honestly, like, it helped me a lot. And I actually developed some really great relationships because of it. Um, I also learned really quickly, do good business always. I, you know, I got, wasn't getting the best advice before and then i realized like oh like this guy is like always getting chased down by these guys these guys are always angry at him he's always telling me i was like i don't want to be in that position yeah like that would put me in too much stress and like unneeded stress because i need to be able to focus on you know what's actually you know bringing revenue to me like what's good for me um so consistently meeting people and then think about it i'm fixing phones so when it came down to it, there was no, like, necessarily ideal client. It was just someone that, like, needed their phone fixed. Yeah, the, 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 there's no target demographic, right? Like, the demographic in which you're trying to attract is anyone with a phone. And that's anyone. 99% of people on, on, in America, let's put that, you know. Everyone's got a dog on phone. Now, their ability and... and, and likeliness and frequency of breaking it may be different yeah yeah but i mean the demographic is endless and that's you know something you learned quickly so you know and and similar to kind of piggyback off what you were saying before i mean here's the truth right there is no perseverance without hardship you know that you 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 cannot learn to to go through problems or struggles if you have never encountered difficult times Hmm. you know it, it it is those moments of of toughness and grit and um, problems that you learn how to push through and that you really um, learn how to be strong, you know. So as much as it sucks, one of the things that I am a firm believer about 
is when those tough times come or those those low points or those things that you have those moments where you feel this is unfair or maybe this is too much or what was me it's a lot easier said than done but you have to embrace them you have to as cliche as it may sound you have to realize these things these moments these these forks they are necessary they're absolutely vital to mold and change you to become the individual that's going to one day accomplish your dreams. You know, and, and I have a very strong stance on that because, quite frankly, I couldn't be who I am or be where I'm at or be able to do the things that I do or be able to fulfill, you know, the positions and roles and responsibilities I have if I had not been through my trenches, if I had not been low, if I hadn't gone through those moments, if I hadn't had you know, times where I wondered, you know, am I going to get through this? You know, so, you know, I, I say this to everyone and, and I'm glad you, you know, kind of brought it up. You got to embrace all those losses, small, tiny, large, enormous, you know, monstrous, embrace them. And like I said, I, I think I've learned through experience. You got it kind of early. Um, when it does happen, here's the reality. If you're still here, you still have work to do. And, and I mean that in all facets of life. If you incidentally lose an arm, that's tough. That's a tough blow. And that is going to be very, very, very mentally um, draining. But take a moment, you know, wallow in it for a second. And then, and then once you're ready, you do, need to, you do need to move on. And you need to embrace that this is now it. This is the life I'm in. This is the opportunity I have. And I'm still here. And if I'm still here, there's still work to do, you know. So I'm glad we talked about that. Talk to me about, you know, where that goes, right? So obviously you're, you're, you're coming out, you, you know, you graduate high school, um, you know, you've built a, a bit of a brand. You've started to learn the ins and outs of how to do it, you know, effectively. You've started to learn some of the rules of thumbs behind business, you know, you know, do good work. That's what's going to keep, you know, the stress off your back. That's what's going to keep the angry customers away and continue to drive revenue through referrals and, and, you know, the all sources of lead generation. You've already started to learn that one of the rules of thumb about any service-based industry is customer acquisition is roughly about 35 to 40% of, of your job. You know, here's, I mean, I think service and, and, single, and single organization um, product businesses, 35 to 40% of your job is customer acquisition, period, point blank. You know, if, if I... Um, wash cars. I could be the best car washer in the world or the worst. No one's going to know if I don't have any cars. You know, if I, you know, if I sell a single organization product, if I sell, you know, this glass, for example, let's say I sell this glass. This is my product. It's, you know, this beer glass that can also be used for ice water. If I don't have anyone that's willing to buy it, it doesn't matter how much it costs. It doesn't matter the quality of it. It doesn't matter how much, how long it lasts, how dishwasher safe it is. I need customers. So these are things that you learn throughout the understanding of business, but you, you kind of, you were fortunate enough to, to start to grasp and understand these things at a young age. And I also think, you know, I'll say it, I'll say the elephant in the room is because probably you had a lot of time on your hands, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you, I, high school to me flew by quick because Friday nights were, were football. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you were in high school, you know, we wore the jerseys on Friday, which means fr- Fridays didn't count. We didn't do jack on Fridays. You know, you wore your jersey, give it to you, the girl you were talking to at the time. The whole weekend was partying. High school was Monday through Wednesday. That was high school. So you had a lot of time. You got to really 
at that time see where your goals and ambitions are, you know, kind of get a head start on, on what I want to do with my life? Eh, sort of. I actually played club soccer. So my schedule was pretty rigorous, and I also did club basketball too. So What do you mean club? What does club mean? So like uh, that there's like outside organizations outside of uh, school. Oh, okay, like rec. Yeah, like travel teams. Oh, okay. Travel right. teams, yeah. Like AAU. Yeah, AAU, exactly. Okay, all right. I did that, and then like um, classic league soccer, select soccer, whatever you want to call it. Okay. And so that was Monday, Monday Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday. So your parents let you do that? Sort of. It was, like, really weird. Um, so my mom was a big advocate for it mm-hmm. because I was decently pretty good at soccer. And I did basketball at the same time. I don't know if my dad really knew, but um, I did basketball for, like, a year or two. And then I just started to do soccer because it was just too much on my plate. Okay. And so for the longest time, you know, my mom was, like, playing that, paying for that and like letting me do that because she saw I was like really passionate about that. Yeah. So I, I still had that aspect. So you so still had stuff going on. Yeah. So you got to learn. And that was one of the next questions I had, right? Is I don't think, you know, the only way you'll learn it is sports, but I do think, and I think we talked about this on a previous episode, I think with Bree sports is one of the best opportunities for children to learn teamwork, competitiveness, um, camaraderie. I mean, you know, I like to think back now and wonder if you didn't do a team organized sport, where else could you have learned those things? You know, where else could you have learned organized competitiveness? You know, I'm not talking about bully competitiveness, right? Like where else could you learn how to compete and how to become a graceful loser? I mean, where else could you learn that at, at, at a young age? So, I'm glad you, you brought that up because that also that explains a lot. That explains your ability now, and we'll talk about it in a little. You know how you work with teams now, how you how you you know utilize you know your teamworks and 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 you know multi unit leadership to be able to do what you do you know consistently with your media team and those things. You know, so it does explain a lot that you were in team sports, especially at a young age, because that's again I, I I honestly ask the question: Where else could you learn that? Yeah. No. Um. I honestly don't think anywhere else. I mean, maybe the wreck, but like even then, it still kind of goes in the same like realm of yeah. everything. Yeah, for so. sure. So yeah, so you had that on your plate. So coming out, so so again, coming out of high school, you know, you, you're starting to develop. You're starting to understand, you know, what you want to do to get a grasp that hey, I want to be a business owner. Which is a, which is you know, if 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 a high schooler told me that, man, I would I'm gonna be honest, I'd roll my eyes. All right, yeah, yeah okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Go sell some cookies. Buddy. That's what happened. You know, I, I believe it because I would tell the high schooler that right now. So, you know, obviously, you know, how does that? So, what does that brew into? To how did how did that go from where you were then to where you are now? Yeah. So, um, so I was doing that. I made my money. Um, I did a little bit of investing with that. I was actually a very early adopter in Bitcoin. I got in when it was at like twenty seven hundred. Did a little bit of that, then got out. Um, so then I worked away. I ended up getting into college. And we're getting a pretty good college. So my dad was very surprised because he did not see me dedicating much time to school. Mm-hmm. And would always, like, kind of, like, say that about me. But then I'm actually getting into a pretty good college. This was – so in the interim of that, before, before you know, getting into college, you had already had some success that he was aware of? Uh, in terms of, like, phones or – Just in general. I mean, just – here's the thing, right? As a parent, I want you to go to college because I don't want you to waste your life. Mm-hmm. And – when I say success, I'm not speaking dollars or any. 
did your did your dad see traction in life, or did it go, man? I think he's a lost cause. In between that, shoot, honestly, I have no idea. But it was, it, it, honestly, when I got into that school, he was pretty surprised because, um, if anything, he was kind of just planning on like I think he was planning on being upset with me, yeah, because he didn't see me putting in the effort towards school because obviously my focus was elsewhere. Elsewhere, like I would get in trouble in school for fixing phones because I would fix phones during lunch well, to fit yeah. it into my schedule. Yeah. And I got really fast at it. I could fix a phone in 15 minutes. So I'll pop out like three phones during lunch or like during class even sometimes if I just had an overload of like repairs that day. Oh, you were making bread in high school. Oh, I was, I was, it was, I was paying people to borrow their cars. I was driving all the way to Rowlett whenever we're in, uh, when I go to, when I went to school in Coppell. And then somehow getting back in time from, like, buying a phone and then selling it at the rec center after school. Yeah, you are making bread. Yeah, I was going crazy. And so um, he knew – he, like, banned me from fixing phones during the week. It was, like, kind of weird. It was, like, kind of a little bit of a setback. Did he know you were making money? Yeah, he knew I was making money, but he didn't care. It's about the education because what he told me was, like, look at the market. Uh, this is actually, like, pretty important that he told me this. And it actually, like, definitely opened my – it didn't make sense then. Mm-hmm. But it made sense later. And he was like, iPhones, you think they're going to be able to break forever? And it was like, there's always going to be so, uh, someone bigger. There's always going to be a competitor. And, like, Apple's going to come in, and they're going to figure out how to, like, kill everybody else out and make these phones not break or something like that. Or, like, the batteries are not going to be able to die. They're going to get so advanced. And he was like, don't waste your time with this. Like, focus on your studies. And I was like, well, I was like, in my head, I was like, I'm worried about now. And, like, what I want to do. And then I'll worry about the rest later. But, like, that was always something that stuck in the back of my head. Yeah. Obviously, I didn't tell him that because I'm not going to talk back to my dad because that would end very, very bad. Yeah. But, like. Your dad is Nigerian? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very, yeah. Yeah. Very. I've got some friends that are Nigerian and they they tell me they get slapped. Oh, no. Yeah. We, we, we definitely grow up different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh but like yeah, fast forward that, that. That, that. So I've been listening to your story, and I forgot that you were Nigerian, <laughs> and and now that I just re- was reminded you're Nigerian, that explains everything. It all makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense that you know they wanted you to go to school. Everything makes so much more sense now that I was just reminded your dad's Nigerian. Yeah. Okay. I, right. Yeah, and so I ended up getting into college, um, and so he was like very surprised. Um, so it was weird. So then, well, fast forward, I ended up going to college. I had a little bit of money, whatever. Also, well, in senior year of my high school, of high school, we actually started another company. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in, well, my friend started it and then brought me in. And so that's when I actually met Justin, who's like today still one of my business partners. Um, and I'm still very close with everybody else there. Is this the same optimistic Justin earlier? No, this is actually about? different Justin. Different Justin. Yeah, Coincidence they're both Justin. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Okay. And so what business is this? So this is actually a tutoring company, believe it or not, for someone okay. that wasn't that involved in school. And so this is like what really like laid it out for me. So basically what we were doing was we were grabbing the top of the top in like Coppell mm-hmm. and different surrounding schools and having them tutor kids that needed help within like their classes or their the subject so you guys were ultimately just facilitating that transaction yeah peer-to-peer tutoring okay and so what we did was we kind of created like a tech platform online where parents would go in or students would go in and book a tutoring session with one of our tutors it was called easy tutor and so what we did was uh, we gathered all these 
I got brought on because of my network that I had built over X amount of years because I was fixing so many phones and stuff. Uh, I could target potentially like any, like any 14 different colleges. So you were a senior in high school. Justin was as well. No, Justin actually graduated two years before and dropped out. And, and you guys developed a software for this? Uh, like a web platform. Okay. Yeah. And then utilize the web platform to do the booking. Yeah. And then the and then the tutoring sessions were done through what? Uh, the tutoring sessions were done in person. So like there was kind of like a little bit of like someone could steal the client, but we yeah, weren't yeah. we weren't necessarily worried about that at the time. Yeah. We were just uh, more like worried about like the revenue and if the business was profitable, if it made sense. Yeah. Um, and so like there was a lot of delegating of tasks. Mine was using my network to find people that were talented individuals within school, getting their resume, having them fill out, submit the form. Yeah, you're 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 in charge of facilitating the tutors. Yeah, in a sense, like just bringing more into the into the team. Yeah, um, and so like I did that very quickly, um, and I was able to do it from like, like, so we didn't go past this. I think we did two, but I had the ability to get like from fourteen different schools. Mm-hmm. About like forty tutors in each. So how much? How much of that? Right. This would this would have been your first encounter of having a partner at the time. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. How much of that developed your understanding of business? Well, uh, delegation of tasks um, that was cool, um, but I didn't have to focus too much in that because it was kind of already done for me. If that makes sense, because mm-hmm. Justin was kind of like leading the force. So you just had to bring pull. I just had to bring pull, but it was kind of cool of everything how everything worked. But what was really cool about this was it showed my ability to be able to scale into a different niche outside of like fixing fixing phones phones into the education platform. And it kind of helped build that. At the time, were you aware you could do that or was there a little doubt? I mean, nah, I was aware. I knew that like if I put my mind to it, I could do it. I just wanted to prove it. I just, it wasn't even prove it. It was just an opportunity at that point. It was an opportunity that, I knew I'd come across more opportunities because of the one experience that I had yeah, and um, just different things like that. I mean, so it was I, more of just being able to put the notch in your belt, being able to put on your resume, I, have, I, I, I can do more than just fix phones. Yeah. And yeah, we, yeah. we actually ended up selling it uh, by, in high school. Wow. We, we all left for college. We ended up selling it uh, to one of my good friends, Arian. Uh, him and uh, his investor came in and they bought uh, the entire house. company? Yeah. They gave you a good uh, valuation? Oh, but yeah, for our For age, a high yeah. schooler, yeah, 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 for high schooler. Okay, so then what? Uh, so Justin went off and bought a media agency in California. Um, it was already producing, um, and he went out and bought it. And so I went to college, and it was like, so now we have, like, day one of college, going through it, orientation, school, going to parties, whatever, meeting people, because – I hit I hit like kind of a little I would not say roadblock but a little, a little bit of a challenge. So over here I have like consistent I can fix five ten phones a day in Dallas, right? But I go to Austin and no one knows me in Austin. Yeah. Um. So it's just kind of like you hit that reset button. Yeah, I hit the reset button and I was like, all right, like I have to start all over again and see like what happens. But it was a little bit different out there because. There was there were a lot of options. It was a little bit harder to meet people, mm-hmm. and then to really get your name out of it because you're not seeing the same people every single day. Yeah, um, this and that. So, but eventually I got that up going. But before then, I was like, oh, well, I still got to keep my revenue coming in. So I would drive to Dallas three times a week, all day, and I would do a day trip, and I'd fix like eight phones within the day, and then I'd drive back by nighttime. 
I learned my lesson about that one though, later on. That's like a three-hour trip. Six. Well, yeah, there and back. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I do that pretty much. You know, I, I travel every week, and it's. I'm over it. I'm over it. Oh yeah, it was, it was terrible. Now I, now I do it like once a week, but like. Yeah, yeah, that's brutal. Okay, so so then so obviously you know you're you're you've gone through high school, you've kind of gotten out, you're in college, you're still fixing phones, you're kind of coming back. So you're in you're in college in Austin, but you're coming back, you know, fixing some phones, still making money. Then what? Yeah, I was like, okay, I need to scale this, and I looked at different options that were there, and I was like, uh, I could hire people to like fix for me and do all this stuff, and I was like, no, someone's already doing that, and also that's very very complicated. And then I saw all the holes within the systems where people could just steal clients, and then it'd be kind of hard to see that return because you have to go and get clients again and then people are just gonna be stealing clients and then you have to deal with people breaking other people's phones different things like that there's not much oversight and quality assurance in that part so i was like yeah no that's not that's not a feasible opportunity Mm -hmm. and then someone could just take what i know i taught them and then just do it themselves and so i was like okay that's not gonna work um so it was it was kind of cool so i was at a bank and i was like deposit your money i was like telling my banker all the stuff that I did. And he's like, you know what? Why don't you create a, like, trailer? He's like, why don't you create a trailer and fix phones out of the trailer if there's, like, somewhere you could park a trailer? And I was like, at first I was like, that's silly. But then I remember, it was, like, kind of crazy. I was like, that's so silly. And then I remembered to when I first started fixing phones because everything comes full circle. When I first started fixing phones, I told everybody, I fixed phones and everyone laughed and it was like silly. They yeah. made a joke of it. Yeah. And I was like, I felt that same feeling there. And I was like, okay. And so then I came up with the repair truck concept where people can like go to the repair truck and get their phones fixed very fast. And then boom. Cause at this point you're, you're, you, you can knock them out in 10, 15 minutes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so whenever you have a brick and mortar shop, like you, that place stays in one place, they're coming up to it. They see it. You know, people do this anyways. So, like, you just do that. You pay your employees well. So that was, like, my idea for that. But I was like, okay, that's, like, a little bit down the road. What can I do now? And so then Justin invited me down to California and, like, show me what he was doing with, like, marketing. This particular invite was a recruitment meeting or? Yeah, actually, like, a recruitment meeting. I was going to open up. He didn't tell you that, though, right? No, he told me that. We, like, discussed. He came up with this. Justin's very sporadic, and so am I. And back then, he was a little bit more sporadic. He came up with this crazy idea about, like, this and that that we're going to do. We're going to do, like, a course. They're going to do this and that. He's like, all right, flying you out to California. You're coming next week. And, like, you're, we're just going to uh, make this work and, like, talk about it, figure out the details. Okay. And so I was like, all right, sweet. I never just left like that, and especially being how, in college. How long ago was this? Uh, this was like my freshman year of college. Okay. Like my first like month or two. Okay. And oh, actually, it was before I went to college. Yeah, it was before I went to college. Okay. It was like July. And this is the media company that he bought after selling the tutor company. After selling the tutoring company. Okay. So he wants you to come out. He wants you to take a look at it. He wants to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get out there and then what? He opens my eyes about oh, so many different possibilities. Um, in terms of like digital marketing, web development, social media, and all of that. And so he, t- he like taught me the business and it all made sense. He's like, use 
you know, go out there, see if you can get some clients, blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, create your own branch. And so then that's what I came up with. First, the crowded, crowded scene agency is what it was called. And I was like, okay, I'm going to create a marketing company, do web dev and everything, but I'm going to target restaurants and clubs and bars. And so, like... When he means create your own branch, he means create, like, another division of the company itself. Yeah. Okay. And just, you know, say, you know, we're partnered together. So, Grey Lake Media was his company. And it's like, you're a partner of Grey Lake Media. And so, you can use our, what we have in our team to, you can leverage it to get clients and then actually fulfill the services. Okay. And so, that's what I did. And, like, that was a grind. I, like, learned so much, like, so much just trying to get clients, well, at least my first one. Mm-hmm. My first client that actually ever took, and, like, I still do business with him today, took a chance on me. It was actually uh, Remy. He owns uh, 5 a.m. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so I started doing his marketing for uh, Barsteller, uh, his bar at the time. So okay. I would go there every day and, like, take photos of people that are there, like, captions, run the Instagram was creating a new website, different things like that. And I was, like, learning so much during that process. And so then he started giving me more opportunities, and I was like, okay, like, I'm in this niche. Like, and then I started getting more opportunities for that. Um, and, like, really started, like, diversifying my portfolio after that uh, while still building out the phone and computer repair and, like, trying to get more clients in Austin, which, you know, came afloat. Um and yeah, so, and then from there, I just, I changed, I actually got out of the bar and club industry mm-hmm. um, and like created a more broad aspect because at first I thought it was like target a specific industry and try to scale in there. But I was like, all right, I have all these other people and like all these other different industries that I can help. I was like, might as well help them, especially if it's going to bring more revenue to my business. And I was so like, initially, initially... <laughs> So when you say you, you landed Remy, were you niched to, to what we call the industry, or did it just ha- you just stumbled upon that one? Actually, I'm not going to lie. I was pretty nervous. Um, we, were, we, went to, we were going to his bar quite a bit, and <laughs> Remy was just kind of sitting there, and I was like, you know what? Like, I looked at their social media. They haven't ran their social media in a while. And I was like, I'm going to go talk to him. My friend's like, nah, don't talk to him. And I was like, nah, I'm going to just talk to him. And see, like, if he's interested. And I just kind of went up to him. I was like, hey, like, are you guys looking, like, up to your social media? Like, do you guys want to do something like that? And he actually, like, said, hmm. He said, send me what you got. And then, like, I, like, sent him what I got and, like, different things like that. And then, like, we had a meeting. And he's like, all right. And I actually was working for free uh, for the longest time uh, just because what I wanted to do was I wanted to build my portfolio. Yeah, you want to build your reputation on And, like, just my knowledge. Um, the knowledge that I had, I actually wanted to put it to use and then build that out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I just, like, started doing things for free. So then, so, okay, so just to kind of cap, you're, you're essentially a part of the media company that Justin owns, but you've created your own department. Mm-hmm. Let's just, you know, again, I'm just using layman's terms. Mm-hmm. So you're operating the department, and you initially start off with that. Then you decide, hey, I want to broaden out to be able to just cover anything and everything and utilize, you know, our talents, our services, what we can do and what we can offer. And, you know, that was the next chapter of what could unfold of, hey, let's, you know, what could be done. How does that turn into the success you now have? I mean, what, 
how did you piece to here's the reality right because you're going from this is what we're looking for to now hey let's do anything and that's scary because when you decide to you know do anything and everything well you have no you have no edge yeah you've got no you know if you're niche based your edge is that i am specifically tailored to what you do and that means i'm better than the generalist well once you become a generalist that's nerve-wracking. Yeah. I mean, that's super nerve-wracking, you know, because now you're competing with everyone. So how did you, you know, pivot that move and then find success in it? Yeah, so what I realized, like, everything that was going on was even the people that we had, part of the team that were doing things, it was, like, based off of a skill set. And at that point, I was, like, I had my skills, and then – I was, like, making them better. I was researching more. I was figuring out how to do things better, looking at better alternatives to things, just researching and developing my skills. So I had the iPhone and computer skill that I, I developed forever, and I still had revenue from that coming in. Now I had to hone in and create another skill for myself so I could create another passive income, mm-hmm. typically with, like, larger margins to kind of push me into that next realm of where I needed to be. Um, and it was still happening with the iPhones. I, I definitely like scaled that out a lot more, um, with phones and all that stuff. But, uh, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to deal with larger projects that yeah. were like more of like one time, like 10, 50, hundred thousand dollar projects. And I felt like this is the best way to get there doing that. Um, and then also me, myself still very sporadic and I like to like, work with a lot of different businesses, yeah. do a lot of different things and learn. And so with the marketing agency, I, f- I found it to be actually a structured way to work with many different businesses without putting myself, w- making myself too involved in their businesses in the day to day and just do what I needed to do based off of what they wanted me to do and then provide the service that I knew that I was best at based off of my skills. Yeah. So now, now that it's built out, now that, you know, you've, you've created it and obviously the as all of us, we're not at the end game. There's uh-huh. still vision to create. There's still more, and it's going to get better. And you know, but as of where you are now, you know, what does it look like? You know, how many people are on the team? What you know, what services do you guys offer? You know, what you know, what does it look like as as of this point? Yeah. So uh, after I crowded agency, and then I started getting out of that, uh, just bars and clubs. I switched over. I made a new company and I named it the social circle group. And so we did the broad terms doing, I was doing everything kind of by myself because I was so used to doing it. Um, when I was in the phone and computer repair. And so basically what happened was I, one day, like years ago, I got a message from this guy named Nick and he was like, Yo, man, like, I really like what you're doing. Like, really cool stuff, man. Like, because I would, like, post and stuff like that. I was like, thank you. And, like, you, and we had, like, small talk for, like, a year. Really cool. Uh, he would ask some pretty cool questions, and I'd actually be intrigued. And then one day he was like, hey, man, um, I know how we can um, work with contractors to generate them revenue for their business all throughout Facebook, and they'll pay us for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, like, $1,500 or something like that. And I was like, really? I was like, okay, like, let me see. And then he showed me uh, what, it, what it was, how it worked, how to actually get results and different things like that. And I was like, oh, this is genius. Was he doing it already at the time? Yeah, he was doing it already at the time. 
So what was his reasoning for trying to involve you? So he, his reasoning for trying to involve me was the network, and then also it was like he knew together we could create something great. Yeah. And like there were certain aspects of business. And so he experience. wanted to evolve. Exactly. Okay. And he knew I carried certain like levels of experience and different things like that. Yeah. The, and then he was, he's a very smart individual. Um, with his knowledge and different things like that, his drive, we could blossom to create something great. Um, and so literally never met the guy. We <laughs> never met the guy. And we, like, got our first client together based on someone that he knew. And then I was like, sweet, this is great. We got a client actually paying us, like, $1,500 a month. And I was like, I'm going to get his office. I was like, I, I actually, like, this is, like, the first time that, like, someone I had, that had reached out to me and that did business actually took the initial, like, step. Yeah. And it was I didn't feel like I was just doing it by myself. Yeah. And I was like, this looks very promising. Like, I'm, I'm very sporadic. I was like, let's go all in. So then I ended up getting this office. And literally, like, the day I met this man was the day I got the office. Yeah, yeah, And so, like, walking into I was like, yo, what's up? The plane like, was already off the ground. Already off the ground. And he's like, yeah, you know I went to school with you, right? Like, I was a couple of years older, but I went to school with you. And I was like. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, cool, man. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. get to work. I don't remember you. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. No, nah, I didn't remember. But, like, literally, like, now, what we what we learned was we were doing so much um, within the business trying to grow this and, like, our day-to-day. And our role started shifting. We started learning more. We started taking on more clients. And then it was just kind of like, all right, like, what do you do? What do you do? And then throughout this, we had setbacks. So many, like, trial and, like, so many errors and, like, fixes and, then like, resolving things, which was cool. But the biggest thing that we learned out of this was how to actually scale a business, Mm -hmm. checks and balances within tasks, and then actually scale operations. So, like, now we have about 14 employees that work full-time with us. And um, nice, we have a large amount of clients. Um, I think we're getting, like, eight more this week. Nice. And so we, like, in a sense, perfected it. And we've developed, like, such a firm system that allows us to scale to seven to eight-figure run rates. And so uh, that's the biggest thing that we learned. I learned how to, like, really delegate tasks amongst individuals by myself. Like, an easy tutor was kind of done for me. But now we understand that, like, the whole idea of being having a business to be able to live that like lifestyle where you take yourself out of the business um, is by building SOPs um, yep. and hiring people. Yep. So systems. And so when I learned that, when we understood that, I was like, I've watched so many videos and I could have sworn I never heard the word SOPs or systems. And like, I was like, after that point, it just all clicked. And I was like, because I was so involved, my hands were in it yeah. so much. I think I think one of the – when you start a business, right, and I've made this mistake, and I'm still going through this mistake, um, your first goal is how can I get it to be great? And unfortunately, naturally becoming great is creating everything you have envisioned. And without the experience to know what you're about to do wrong – Everything you envision includes you. And with the knowledge I now have of business, if I could go back in time, I would have 
envisioned my business without me driving it. And I would have built everything to be sustainable without me. And that would have been ideal because unfortunately, once you create it, you then got to learn how to keep it going without you. Mm -hmm. You got to learn how to put in systems and processes and executives and standard operating procedures and operations and training documents, manuals and videos. Um, you got to be able to put in all of these different things that are able to accommodate your business without you in it. And that itself is actually harder than getting the business to be successful. So, you know, I'm glad you brought that up because that's one of the lessons that we all kind of learn the, the tough way. We all kind of learn that as we realize, holy crap, now how do I get this thing to be able to run without me? Yeah, I honestly think that's the secret to business. If there's any secret... It's probably that. And, like, the crazy part is it's not a secret. It's just not talked about enough, I honestly think. No, it's not. It's not. And, like, that's, like, the basis of everything. Um, but when it comes to SOPs, like, now, like, my sole focus, like, especially for this year and the last, like, six, eight year, like, 12 months of my life has just been focused on, like, scaling out operations. How can I make operations better and more efficient um, and, like, really, like, grow the business uh, I mean there's a lot of but what I do admire are like the business owners that are actually actively in the business mm -hmm. and are hitting very high run rates while being in the business still because it's a lot for a human to take on yeah um, and so I, that, that, that's been the biggest thing and like every day I'm growing but like, even through this process of getting to the point of like having 14 employees Everything, every decision I make still stems from whenever I was in, like, high school, middle school. Yeah, yeah. Just, like, it's just, like... Your development. Your development. And, like, people get older, even even with clients, like, you have to you have to understand how to, to deal with the person whenever they're angry, whenever they're upset, or whenever they're confused. It's, like, you don't retaliate back. You, you know, stay calm. You answer their questions. Um you have to be as confident in yourself as they're confident in you or even more. Yeah. Um, and even growing up, like if you're not, if I wasn't confident about me being able to fix a phone, who's going to let me fix a phone? No one. No, no one's going to let me fix a phone. And more importantly, if you weren't so confident in the fact that you messed one up and still sold one, you would have never got started. Cause that was a, that, that was foolish, mm -hmm. but you were able to compensate for how foolish it was with how confident you were in yourself. Yeah. So I've got a series of questions we like to, you know, ask towards, you know, as we close. So I'm going to start hitting you with some stuff. Number one, of all the attributes, you know, that one can possess, not relevant to you, but just in general in your experience, which one do you think um, is most vital for someone to be successful as a business owner? And, and this is not relevant to you, just in general. I mean, honestly, being a business owner... It's not, I don't, I, when it, it really doesn't come down to like, it's not like you have like some special talent. I don't think like it's a special way you think, like you're not the smartest person in the room. I don't think it's any of that. I think it's more of a mental game than anything. So I think like mental health and having that everything in line mm -hmm. is like the strongest um, attribute that you can have. I feel like if you're able to, you know, kind of control your emotions. Mm-hmm then I think you're, you'll be able to do, like, anything. Um, 
I know I even tell Nick this and like I was like it's thing I struggle with too like everyone can struggles with like controlling their emotions and I think like and then staying positive in situations of doubt mm-hmm. very important and that's what I mean by mental health like staying positive and then like controlling your emotions because one wrong mistake can ruin your life yeah. and ruin everything you've worked for 100 percent and in one moment and like if you give up like you give up but like what happens if you didn't give up yeah um so it's more of a mental game than anything and i think that's the strongest attribute everything okay. else can be learned and of all the let's say we were playing 2k and we all have our game sliders right the things you know from 1 to 100 and you have your rating on each individual attribute you possess of all the things in your game sliders which one is the highest for you in particular. Now, again, not what attribute do you think is most important or the one you think is most pertinent. Which one are you best at? Um, in terms of just like in physical? General. Yeah, just any attributes you possess. Which one is the one that when, when, when your time on this earth is done, people are going to go, that dude, that, dude, that, was, that dude was good at that. That was, we're, you know, we know him for that. Staying really patience, like staying calm. Okay. I I, th- I think that that's what it would be. Uh, I think anyone you talk to, like no matter how bad it gets, I'll be so calm. I might not even say anything. I'll just like re- be focusing on like relaxing myself. And you learned that. Yeah. I and you're consciously that. doing that. Yeah. Because you talked about earlier you had anxiety, and now you've you've learned the ability to control that. Yeah. I think that was like the that was the biggest shift for me, honestly. Nice. Staying calm no matter what, even if it's bad, even if my business is failing and it might not be here tomorrow, mm-hmm. I'm gonna start a new one the next day. Just so calm. it's You're just sure. gonna it's gonna be a grind. So you just gotta stay calm, trust the process. Okay. And what what are some things that you do, or some what we call vices? What are things that you do to kind of balance the scale of stressors that are in your life? You know, do you have vices, things that you know, pretty critical to you, you know, that, that help you, you know, kind of compensate for all the stuff going on? Yeah, 100%. So I honestly believe, like, you have to have a balanced life. So I still go out. I still try to make friends. I try to stray away from business conversations as much as possible um, and, like, save those for later. Even if someone wants to talk to me, I was like, yeah, let's talk about it tomorrow. Um, because I feel like no matter what, like, you got to still be a human, um, you can very, you can quick, very quickly be, become a robot and like that money is not everything. And like, at some point, like you got to like want happiness and different things like that. Like money will bring you like happiness, but I don't think it'll make you like full. And so like relationships, people, caring, love, like different things like that are important aspects of life that I think everyone needs to like have and so i will yeah work late that's cool but i'll go after hang out with some friends catch them when i can um and i just want to you know always stay loose i'll book a sporadic i'll book a trip out of nowhere a spontaneous trip and just go somewhere for a couple days or stay for a week yeah or whatever and then come back work or even work there but at least i'm getting out of my my like shell yeah, your standard realm of doing. Yeah. Yeah. So important. so you believe fir- firmly you do have to consciously offset life and in, in the beating you take in day-to-day life. Yeah. I mean, me and Nick, uh, we work weekends. And, like, recently, like, we 
I've been telling Nick to take a break on weekends. And, like, I was like, I'm going to take a break with you, too. And that was really cool because everyone's like, yeah, you got to work every day, weekends. So I was like, when it comes down to it, you really don't have to listen to what everyone else says. Like, you don't. And, and one of the things that I learned through experience, and I'll say this as well, I, I, I didn't learn effectiveness until I became a little more mature. I used to think effort hours, labor hours, the more you put in, the more opportunity you have for success. And I had to learn through experience that, you know, actually there's a quote Jeff Bezos said, and he said, you know, they asked him how many hours, because I think it was in contradiction to a, a, the same question they asked Elon. And Elon was like, look, I'll stay up three days if I have to. And they asked Bezos, and he chuckled a little bit, and he said, listen, he said, at, at my level, at the level of an executive, people are trusting you to make roughly about four to five big-time decisions a day. And I could be up all night and stay up, and I could, you know, I could put in a lot more hours, but the reality is my effectiveness in that time is, is, is watered down to the point where when you sum it all up in a day, I'm actually not as good as I would have been had I been rested. And I'm not saying I've adapted this fully because anyone who knows me knows I don't know the last time I went to sleep before 2 a.m. And I'm up. You know, I was at the gym, you know, this morning playing ball at, at 6.30. You know, we got, we got basketball Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I just don't sleep. But I, I am starting to learn effectiveness, you know, that I could put in 16 hours today, but I may not be as effective as if I had put in 10, you know. So I think that's why I asked the vice question, because as much as I'm not saying I'm rested, I'm very caught up on my vices. I'm very in tune with the things that I allow myself to get away from the stressors of life. You know, I've talked about it before. I'm a big movie buff. Same. I'm a big movie buff. You know, if I had a crap day, the day sucked. I just got beat up today. The thing that I do to really get away and, and get back to me is I'll turn my phones off. I'll put something on, you know, IG or Twitter and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I don't have my phone tonight. And I'll just, you know, I'll watch a movie and, and the world doesn't exist. That, to me, can, can bring back the day and can recharge me for tomorrow and, and, you know, movies. And the only reason I say I'm a movie buff and not a TV show buff is because I ran out of all the TV shows. I've seen them all that are good. You I know? can't do TV shows. I'm caught up and now I have nothing left. So, <laughs> you know, I think um, our last question for you tonight, if there was one critical thing that you had to get out there, the thing that's going to separate the young buck watching you, the young, the young you know, guy or gal who may be in high school and says, if he can do it, I can do it, what is that advice you have for them? If I was to give anyone advice, well, I could go two different ways. Well, learn the skill, become the best the skill. Not like number one, but come pretty close to it. Um, learn the skill first, then offer the service. Um, and then, like, if things are ever going bad, and it feels like it's an hour never, like it's over. Just start from the beginning. Always go back to the basics and start from the basics. Even if you felt like you've gone all this way, you have this crazy system in line, go back to the basics. Start from there and then work your way back up. Nice. Well, Dennis, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you being on uh, today on this episode. You know, I think, um, you know, there's a lot of people who are going to want a little bit more of, of your story. Let us know how to find you if we wanted to, you know, 
talk to you about business, if we wanted to talk to you about potentially partnering up, and if anybody needs, you know, you and your team, you know, where can we, where can we reach you? Yeah, so uh, you can go to my Instagram, uh, at Dennis Onalaja. You're going to have to spell that, man. Don't nobody know how to spell that. O-N-A-L-A-J-A. I leave all my companies in my bio, and then you'll be able to click on each one of them, and then you'll be able to to go to the links in their bios and then either book a call or anything you need. Always open the DMs. I don't like to hide information. Um, One of my things is, like, information's out there, and so I have no problem giving it. Uh, there's so much money to be made in this world. So yeah. uh, any questions you have, don't hesitate to ask. Yeah, Success is abundant. Money is abundant. You don't have to hoard it. You don't have to think it's only you. You know, it's out there. We can get it. And just to sum up, you're still fixing phones. You guys are still doing awesome, um, you know, media projects for uh, – I know you guys have really done a great job in the contracting firm, but you do it for any business that needs yeah. it, right? And, and anything else on the on the plateau that these guys may need you for? Uh, yeah, uh, go download the Fetty app. Um, Fetty's like a startup uh, that I'm like partnered with. Uh, it's actually Justin. Okay. Uh, Justin. And, uh, the first Matt, Justin or the second Justin? Second Justin. Okay, all right. He started uh, a group transportation company uh, with his co-founder, Matt. Group transportation like, like Lyft? Yeah, but actually better. So instead of calling one Lyft um, to take a group, like two groups, two Lyfts to take a group of like, 10 people mm-hmm. you can call one Fetty and get and get take up to 15 people in one sprinter van to your desired destination oh it's a sprinter van yeah and so um <clears throat> they, they developed the tech and everything what cities are they in uh we're in austin and we're in college station and we're in lubbock okay. yeah and so what happens is they developed the tech and they needed a way to get to market so you know me and justin already done business before spell Fetty. f-e-t-i-i Okay, Fetty. So it's a Sprinter van. Yeah. That's dope. And we have an app and everything on the App Store. And so you call. You just, it just works like Uber and Lyft, and everyone pays for themselves. Um, me and Justin had already done this before with uh, Easy Tutor. You know, he brought me onto the team, did this and that. So like, made me part of Fetty. And like they, we developed the tech. They needed a way to bring it to market. And so then I helped them to bring it to market in College Station, Texas and you know Lubbock and now we're look we just got funded um, by Ycom so now we're expanding out to different areas. That's cool. that's awesome, man. That's that's phenomenal. So make sure you guys get ahead of the curve now. Download the Fetty app, F E T I I, uh, and get prepared for those of you guys who are in Austin. I know a lot of people in Austin trying to hit up Sixth Street, and y'all got to call six Ubers. <laughs> hit up Fetty. Uh, Dennis, we appreciate your time. Thank you guys all for watching this episode of a Student of the Game podcast, and we'll see you next week. Thanks.